0: All right, well, good morning. good morning. We're going to be looking back at Matthew chapter 21. We've made it now. It's Matthew 21 verse 23, and we're going to just look at five verses this morning. We'll be looking at Matthew 21 verse 23 through 27. So, we'll read in verse 23. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which, if you tell me, I will likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Today we'll be looking and kind of focusing on the idea of authority and specifically the authority of Jesus Christ. When you hear the word authority, typically um, you'll think of something like the power or the right to do something. We think about the person who has the final say, All throughout life, there are various types of authorities that we encounter. When we're first born as children, uh, we have parents. Parents have the legal and parental authority over us. They determine what time we go to bed. They determine what we can and can't watch. They determine what school we'll go to. They determine what kind of clothes we're going to get. What's going to be on the table for dinner. And they have a lot of... uh, authority to do those things and then as you get uh, older you realize that the parents are not the only ones who have authority. When you get to school age you find that there are teachers. Teachers have authority over you. They can assign you homework. They can send you home to do projects. They can hold you hostage each day for eight hours while you're in the school for uh, the time being from K to 12th grade. There's principals. if you act up who can discipline you according to the school's policies. And then, as you get older, you think, okay, all the authority's done, and you reach the time where you finally get to a job. And you find even in the workplace, there are managers, there are uh, supervisors, there are CEOs who determine the policies, who determine what you can and can't wear at the job. They determine how you can act, what you can say. And then you think, well, just when there couldn't be any more authority, you get that paycheck, and you find out that the government has the authority to take your taxes. And uh, there's federal, local, state, all that want part of that paycheck. And they also have other authorities. They can decide on rules and laws, on what you can and can't do outside of work. They can determine how fast you can drive on the streets. And you have authorities, such as police officers, who enforce those rules, who determine what you can and can't do based on those laws. You have authority um, if you get in trouble enough, that if you get pulled over by the police and they determine that it's uh, enough to go to jail, uh, you would go before a judge, and that judge has the authority to render verdicts. They can determine how long you stay in jail, what your sentencing will be. They have the authority um, to make just decisions based on the crimes you've committed. So in all aspects of life, that's just a quick snapshot, but of all aspects of life, there is someone who's going to be in authority over you in one way or another. But with all that said, there is one who has authority that surpasses all other authorities. In Matthew 18, 28, verse 18, Jesus says of himself, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That pretty much encompasses everything. I don't know of anyone else in history who has claimed and was able to back up that claim to have all authority in both heaven and on earth. And yet, throughout his ministry, we see over and over again that he didn't just claim to have this authority. He then demonstrates his authority with his actions. And I want to just quickly go through, this is not an all-encompassing list, this is just snapshots of the different gospel encounters showing the authority that Jesus demonstrates. He has authority over nature. Let's just look at that as the first one. Last week we read about a fig tree that was at the time symbolic of the nation of Israel, and it was unfruitful, signifying how they had been really Unfruitful; they didn't have any uh, fruit to show for what Jesus had, had done in their lives. And Jesus ends up cursing this fig tree and it withers away. I, I can't myself go to a fig tree or a lemon tree and curse it and it wither away. And yet Jesus had that authority where he could do that. I think of an even more incredible encounter where he was in Matthew 8 on the storm in a boat and he it says he arose and rebuked the winds in the sea and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I don't know of anyone who can do that except Jesus Christ. He has authority over the winds and the waves, and they listen to him. I then think about diseases and illnesses. Remember when Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever? It says that Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. He had authority to say to... I mean, if I, I'm a nurse, and if I could say that to a patient... You know, be gone with this illness, be gone with that one. You know, the hospital will be pretty empty. But Jesus had authority to command a fever, and it left. He had authority to say to a blind man, receive your sight, and instantly he regained his sight. He had the authority to tell a paralyzed man, pick up your bed and walk, and in an instant, a bed-bound person was able to walk again. He had authority to give hearing to the deaf, authority to open the mouths of the mute. That's just with illnesses, that's with diseases. He was also able, in the supernatural realm, able to cast out demons. He had authority over demons. On numerous occasions, we read about Jesus rebuking demons, casting them out of people. He had authority that upon his command, the demons would obey his word. We read in Matthew or Mark chapter 1, it records that they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority he commands, even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the regions around Galilee. This is incredible things. None of us are able to cast out demons the way that he was able to do. And so much so that they realized that this was not normal. This was not like anything they had ever seen. And it brings praise to God's name for it. But clearly it points to the fact that he, again, is God. He has more than just over sicknesses and illnesses and demons. He has power over death. Uh, We read about uh, in in Matthew and in other encounters, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus who died. And upon visiting his tomb, his gravesite, it says that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And it says that, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. He has the authority to tell a man who was dead for three days to come back to life. And he instantly comes out still wrapped in his grave clothes. But he didn't have just authority over the death of Lazarus. He had the the authority over his own resurrection. In John 10, it says that, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down of my own. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I received from my Father. So even in his own death, he has the authority to give up his life, and he has the authority to take back his life and resurrect himself from the grave. More importantly, I think this is probably the biggest one for me, that he has the authority to forgive sins. We uh, talked earlier about the paralyzed man and how he told the bedbound man to take up your bed and walk. Well, earlier in that encounter, he told him that his sins are forgiven. And to the religious leaders at the time, this was blasphemy. This is a man claiming to be God. No one can claim to be God except God himself. And yet he was God. And so he had every right to do so. And so to prove his point that he was God, he is God, he says, what is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know, um, sorry, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and they went out in the presence of them all. So that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. So, He not only has the power over the paralyzed man and his disease process, but He has the power to then forgive his sins. And He demonstrated it by telling him to pick up his bed and walk. That's incredible. I mean, there's only one person in the entire world who has the ability to forgive sins. And that one person has the authority and was willing to then forgive us of our sins. I mean, that's incredible. It's wonderful news that Jesus Christ has that ability, that authority to forgive sins. Also, John 5 tells us that he has the authority to execute judgment. It tells us that given to him is the authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Jesus has the authority to judge, to make righteous decisions, to make fair decisions, to render verdicts because he alone is God. Also in John uh, seventeen, it tells us that he has the authority to give eternal life. It says that Jesus is not only the authority over all mankind, but he has the authority to grant eternal life to as many as believe in him. John ten says, or John seventeen says, given him the authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And so that is very quick, not all encompassing, but just a few of the many. Things that he has authority over. He says that he has authority over heaven and over all of earth. And those are just a few examples of it. And on top of that, the people noticed that he spoke differently. It says that he spoke and taught with authority. When Jesus taught the multitudes, it says in two different encounters that they were astonished at his teachings, for his word was with authority. Elsewhere in Matthew... It says that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Aside from all of that, given the fact that he has demonstrated his authority, the fact that he has all control over all power of all creation, and he has all power in this universe, should we not trust him? Not just for salvation, but for our needs tomorrow, the next day, our concerns, our worries, our future. All of these things he is trustworthy and reliable over. He has control over them. Regardless of how uncertain tomorrow may seem, regardless of how unsure the future may be, we have a relationship, if you're a believer, with the one who has authority over all these things, who knows what's coming next. And what's even more amazing is that because he wants a relationship with each of us, we can then pray to him. We can lift up our request to this person who has authority to control these things. And the amazing thing is that in the midst of all of the things that he's in control over, he has the time, personally, to listen, not only to your request, but then answer it. He has, he has the authority to answer your request as well. To me, that's just a, an amazing thing to know, that we serve such a great God who only, not only just hears our prayers, but can answer them, and has authority to do something about it. Now, with all this countless displays of authority, people at the time were beginning to take notice. And one particular group that was taking notice was the religious leaders. You see, they believed that they were the authorities at the time. They believed in their minds that Jesus was a problem to their religious system. He was going around. He wasn't consulting them. He wasn't asking for their advice. He didn't seek their approval. He just simply healed. He cast out demons. He was doing these miracles without any kind of talking to them before doing it. And he did it rightfully so. He had the authority from God, so why would he need authority from them? But his display of authority to them was problematic, and they didn't like it. And so earlier in this chapter, he cleanses the temple, and he overturns the money changers. And we find out earlier in this book that this wasn't the first time either. He had previously done this uh, earlier on, I think, in chapter 2. And they essentially ask him during that time when he first cleanses it, who gave you the right to do what you're doing? By whose authority are you doing these things? And now that he cleanses it again for the second time, they again ask him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? I think sometimes when we read the Bible, uh, these events that are taking place, such as the temple being cleansed, you don't really, really realize the weight of what's happening. I went last year to Israel where there's a, place called the Wailing Wall, where the Jews basically weep over the fact that the Temple Mount is no longer um, is no longer run by you know Jewish people. It's now um, basically the Dome of the Rock, where it's a uh, Muslim um, Palestinian um, takeover, basically where they have their uh, mosque set up, and so they weep at this Wailing Wall every day, uh, all 365 days of the year. And on the side of it, there is the synagogue which is probably as close to a temple as you're going to get there. And as you go in there, they stop you and they say, whoa, 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 you're a Gentile, you have to wear a yarmulke. And so they give you one, uh, and you put it on, and you go in. And as you get deeper into the synagogue, and this, we were at the tour group, we weren't doing anything except looking, and it was perfectly fine for us to do that. But as we got farther into it, you started getting the sense that you were not welcome there, that it was only for the most devout people. And it seemed like almost there was the Holy of Holies as you go in farther and farther into their synagogue. And there came a point where we just felt uneasy about going any farther because of the looks that we got and from um, some of the murmuring along the sides. And so we turned back. But could you imagine if I took a whip and I just started driving people out and I started turning over the tables that they were selling in there and I started cleansing the synagogue that they had. I could only imagine that I would be probably put in jail, probably banned from Israel from life, and I'd probably still be in prison right now. Uh, but Jesus did this very thing. I had no right to do that, obviously. But Jesus had the right and authority to do these things, and he did it. Not just once, but twice. That's incredible. I mean, the, the amount of uh, things that would have upset them if I did that, I'm sure it would just would have been over the, you know, over the top, the amount of um, disapproval that would come from that. But Jesus Christ did this where he drove out and turned over the money changers and cleansed the temple. And so, you know, as you look at that, you think, why did he do that? For what reason was he cleansing the temple? Well, it's because it's his father's house. This place where men were supposed to come before the Lord and pray to him, to worship him, to sacrifice to him. It's become this place of business. It's become a place where they are greedy and they're, they're selling to make money, to make a profit off these people who are coming here to worship. But Jesus, being God in the flesh, has every right to do this because it's what's according to his Father's will. And the sanctity of the temple is his highest priority. And if it's being disgraced, then he is going to go and focus on turning it back to the right attention, the focus being on God and not on the profits of men. But I just find it so refreshing that Jesus is not like us. I could not do that. But Jesus doesn't need to seek approval to do something like that. He has authority given to him by God. When he heals as God, he has authority and the power to heal. And so after the cleansing, he then heals uh, some of the sick who are there. And the religious leaders are upset because what they have is not only this cleansing, not only this healing, but then these people begin to praise his name. And Jesus, being God, knows that this worship is right. He should rightfully receive this. If you and I were receiving this praise, I would say, no, 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 don't don't praise me. I'm not, I'm, I'm a nobody. But Jesus being God deserves this praise and he doesn't, if you notice, he doesn't correct them. He doesn't stop them. He allows them to continue praising his name. And so upon hearing all these things and upon seeing what Jesus is doing, upon hearing the voices of the people praising him, upon seeing the healings in the past, The chief priests and the elders confront Jesus by asking, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And this really cuts to the heart issue. They do not think that Jesus should have the authority to do what he's doing. They're basically asking him, who do you think you are? What gives you the right to cleanse the temple? What gives you the right to receive the praise of these people? What gives you the authority to heal and to cast out demons? Where did you get this authority to teach and preach like you are? They're essentially asking, where are your credentials? Where's your paperwork? Where's your formal education like we received? And Jesus had already told them in the past that he had received his authority from his father. And they knew that he had claimed to be equal with God. But perhaps they wanted him to say it one more time so that they could arrest him for what they would consider blasphemy, claiming to be God. The religious leaders had trouble accepting that Jesus is God. They had trouble accepting his authority had come from heaven. And so rather than answering a question that they already knew the answer to, Jesus instead asked them a question, and he says to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? What Jesus is saying here is that I will tell you where my authority comes from, but first tell me who gave John the Baptist the authority to perform his ministry. Was the authority of John's ministry from heaven or was it from human endorsement and his credentials? If we think back to John the Baptist, we remember that he was that voice crying in the wilderness. He was the person readying the people for the Messiah to come and his ministry was very public he was well known by the people and in a nutshell his message was repent the messiah is coming repent the messiah is coming repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand and there was a movement because of his message of people confessing their sins repenting of their ways and they were being baptized which was a symbol of the uh, symbol that was outward symbolizing the inward profession that they were making of repenting and turning from their ways and reddening their hearts for the Messiah when he comes. And the people were flocking to John. And as he ministered to them, he was preparing their hearts for the time when he would say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then later he says, And I had seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John is essentially saying at this point, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. God selected John to be this forerunner, to prepare the ways for the coming of him. And clearly, if you look at John's ministry, he was blessed because God had given him the authority to prepare these men's hearts. John was divinely appointed to that ministry. The people considered him to be a prophet, uh, so much so that even Herod, as wicked as he was, feared John because the people considered him to be a prophet. He even mentions that himself. And so with all this information at the disposal of the religious leaders, the answer should be pretty obvious. The authority by which John the Baptist ministered and carried out his ministry came from God. So how would they respond to the question when Jesus asked them, where did it come from, from heaven or from man? Well, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus is God and he has insight into their hearts and their minds as they reason among themselves, we would never know this. But because he is God, we can see what they say. In verse 25 it says, and they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude for all count John as a prophet. So his testimony, like I said, couldn't be any clearer. If John's authority came from heaven, which it did, and John is claiming that Jesus is God, And all of John's message points to Jesus, then why would they not believe a divinely appointed prophet telling them the truth? They had all the evidence to point them to the truth. They had seen Jesus demonstrate his authority, his power, his healings, his casting out demons, commanding nature itself to obey him, and it did. John had been preaching the truth, preparing the way for Jesus. But the religious leaders simply did not want to accept that message. And if John had authority from heaven, then what reason did they not have for repenting of their sins and believing in Christ? So upon realizing that they would be rebuked for their unbelief and that Jesus was going to ask them, why then did you not believe? They then turned to the next option because they wanted to rule out that option. They said, that's not a good option. So let's let's look at the other option. What if we say that John the Baptist got his authority from men? Well, the problem with that option was that it was going to lead to even further issues because John, like I said, had a big following. He was a well-respected man. People viewed him as a prophet. What What would they do to us if we discredited John the Baptist's ministry and we say he doesn't have divine authority? We ourselves would lose our credibility with the people, And we don't want to cause an uproar with people, and so as they weighed out these two options, neither one was looking too promising to them, so they did what any well-versed politician or lawyer would do, and they decided that when they're trapped, that between two answers that would condemn them, they just lied and pled ignorant. They said in an answer, we do not know. And so Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. They told him, we don't know, which was really just a cop-out for not wanting to answer the question truthfully at least. And so in response, Jesus tells them that if you're not willing to admit what you already know to be true, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus says, you know, if you won't answer even the most basic questions, then I'm not answering your question. Why cast pearls before swine? And the religious leaders knew all the things that Jesus had done, but they rejected the truth and they rejected the light that they had been shown. And as Jesus looks at the entire nation of Israel, as he looks at the overview of the rejection by them, we see uh, him weeping in Luke 19 over Jerusalem saying, if you had known, even you, especially this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And later in verse 44, because you did not know the time of your visitation, they just didn't know. They just didn't know that God had come before them. And it's because they blinded their eyes from the truth. So then God details further in that section the destruction coming upon them for their rejection. The religious leaders willingly chose to blind their eyes to the truth. And they were unwilling to repent of their sins and to place their faith in him. Though he was so obvious, though he was so public about it. They made the conscious decision to ignore all the facts, to ignore all the prophecies, to ignore all the signs, all the wonders, all the miracles, all the healings that he had done before their very eyes. They ignored his clear teaching and the fact that he spoke like no man ever ever before him had. They ignored the fact that he spoke with authority, and through it all, they demonstrated willful blindness. All the signs were there. How could they miss it? How could they turn a blind eye to something so obvious? And you can just see the heart of God as he thinks about this towards the end of this chapter, weeping over their utter rejection. He weeps again in, in chapter 21 of this chapter, uh, verse 37. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He wanted, as the God of this universe, So dearly to have a relationship with these people. He would be their God. They would be his children. And when he came to this earth and when he displayed his authority so obviously, they wanted nothing to do with him. They rejected him. They rejected his offer. And sadly, this still happens today in our day and age. The gospel is readily available to everyone, the Bible in its entirety is accessible to nearly every person in almost every known language to man. You can pull it up on your phone, your tablet, your computer. There is gospel message going out every Sunday, podcast every day of the week. It's so easily accessible, it's preached all throughout the world. The evidence is all throughout creation that there is a God and that he loves you dearly. All of it points back to the truth. And yet, by and large, people will hear the message, think about it, And walk away rejecting it. And this is the case for so many people. You can think about the friends or the unsaved family members in your life. Those who you've known for years, decades, your whole lifetime. And you shared that gospel message with them. And as you share the gospel message with them, they listen, they smile, they nod, and they walk away, never making a decision. They make a decision to turn their eyes away from the truth that you just showed them. You tell them the good news about how they can have forgiveness of their sins, how they can have a relationship with God, how they can have eternal life with the God who loved them so much that he gave his own son to die on their behalf and pay for their sins in full. They've heard in the past that all they need to do is place their faith in him, to trust in him, to believe on him alone for their salvation, and through that they can be saved. And yet, time and time again, They turn their hearts away, they reject the truth, and in turn reject Christ. It's sad, it really is sad that so many people today willfully are blind to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. They are so much like the religious leaders of the time, unwilling to accept the truth despite all the evidence being shown to them. But you know what? That does not have to be the final chapter. Because though they may have heard it in the past, it says in the Bible that God is long-suffering, And his desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's not too late for you, or for your loved one, or for anyone else you've been trying to witness to over the years, to come to know Christ, even this day. It says, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know the Lord, if you've not trusted him yet, don't close your eyes to his truth. Don't willfully blind yourself to the evidence that he is indeed the Son of God, that he came to this world to die on your behalf, to pay for your sins. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner, acknowledge that Jesus is the only way and the only one who can save you from your sins, and you simply place your faith in him. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So if you haven't made the decision today, I pray that you might make that choice today. And if you know someone who hasn't yet put their faith in Christ, maybe we continue being bold about it, sharing the faith with them, because we realize that the day is coming where the Lord will return. And we want to make sure that they are prepared and ready for that day. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of it and how we see, Lord, that you have authority over all these things. And Lord, it's so obvious that you truly are the Son of God. That you came into this world to die for sinners like me and like everyone in this room. That you willingly gave your life for us, Lord, and that you offer this free gift of eternal life. And Lord, we think about this world and how most times, 99% of the time, it rejects you, Lord. There's only a small amount of people who truly know you, Lord. And we live in this fallen world. And Lord, we pray that we'd be able to reach those who don't know you yet. We pray that, Lord, we would share the good news with them. That their hearts would be receptive to hear the truth of your word. Lord, if there's anyone in this world who doesn't know you, I pray that they would also come to know you today, this, this very day, and accept you as their Savior and experience eternal life with you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.